All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Glad to see you all here this morning. Um, if you happen to not know it, uh, maybe you are guests with us. My name is Thomas. I'm one of the pastors here with the church. And uh, again, glad that we're all here together. I get the chance to preach um, about once a month, every five or six weeks. And uh, today we want to look into the book of 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. So if you have your Bible with you, you can go ahead and open up to that chapter. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We'll read from there in a few minutes. Um, And what I want to do here today, uh, I don't intend for this to be any deep, uh, full, complete exposition of uh, this this whole chapter here today. Um, But I, I just want us to hear... Uh, sort of the basics of what Paul is is saying here in this chapter, uh, hear what he's saying, and then really jump off of there, really just to say thank you. Thank you, Christ Redeemer Church. I'm holding back. I'm, I'm getting choked up. I'm holding back. Thank you, Christ Redeemer Church. Thank you so much. Um, we see that we're going to see the Apostle Paul here. In, in this chapter. Okay, I didn't expect this. All right. Um, I might need a tissue, if you could help me. <laughs> um, all right, we're going to hear uh, the Apostle Paul here in... Okay. I love you guys, really. This is what it's all about. We're going to hear him talk about... Uh, we're we're going to hear him give thanks, okay? We're gonna, thank you. We're, thank you. We're going to hear him... Give thanks. We're going to hear him give thanks specifically for the Thessalonians' work of faith and labor of love and for their steadfastness of hope in Jesus. And I see those things in you. I see those things in you, Christ Redeemer Church. I see them in us. We are Christ Redeemer Church, and I see these things. I know I speak on behalf of the other elders, Pastor Brett, Pastor Levi, the other, the elders. We see these things in you. God is working things, these things in us, and we give thanks to God for it. Um, Pastor Brett has been taking us through the book of Nehemiah, and he's done a great job to point us to uh, how ultimately Jesus is building his church, and I believe he is using us to do that. He's using us to expand his church, church in some way. He's using us to grow, to, 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 to um, support and to strengthen his church in some ways. Uh, he's doing that. Jesus is building his church and he's using your work of faith to do that. He's using your labor of love to do that. He's using your steadfastness of hope in Christ to do that. And so we're going to we're going to look at the chapter here. Um, we'll read all of it to get some context, but, but uh, I really just want to focus in on, in on these things, the, the work of faith and the labor of love and the steadfastness of hope um, in Jesus. So let's pray, and then we'll, we'll read. Lord, thank you for um, your uh, grace in pulling us together this morning uh, to sing of your greatness this morning and to uh, pray together with you, to receive the Lord's Supper together with you, and now to, to enjoy uh, a time together um, looking into your word. And I just pray simply, Lord, that you would help us, that you would move by the power of your Holy Spirit to open up our hearts, open up our minds here, to hear what you want us to hear, and you would stir us in the ways you want us to be stirred this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 
All right, so 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul, Silvanus, um, otherwise known as Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God the Father, or God and Father, your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For you know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So, so uh, uh, you received the word in, in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that the, uh, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception that we had among you, and you tur- how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and the true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom you raised up from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Amen. Okay, so you notice again there Paul is giving thanks. He, he remembers, uh, he has, he has uh, uh, memory of the Thessalonians, and he gives thanks for something that he remembers. It's good things, again, from verses 2 and 3. He's giving thanks for their work of faith, for their labor of love, for their steadfastness of hope uh, in Jesus. And I just want to press into these things now here a little bit. What does Paul have in mind when he's talking about these things? What do these things mean? And how do these things relate to us here in in Christ Redeemer Church? Where do I see these things in us? So, uh, first of all, faith then. Faith here. What does Paul have in mind? Uh, Well, this is what I would call saving faith. Okay, in other words, it's, it's trusting, truly believing the gospel. Okay, now, now Paul mentions the gospel here. He mentions the gospel in verse 5. He says, our, he says, our gospel came to you, in other words, or otherwise known as the word, the word of the Lord, the gospel of Christ. Elsewhere, Paul's this the word of, uh, call Paul, Paul calls this the word of Christ or the word of uh, truth. This is the gospel. And by gospel here, uh, what does he have in mind? Well, in the... First uh, Thessalonians context here, I would say that the gospel is, is simply this. It's, it's the good news that Jesus died and he rose again and he went to heaven and he's coming back again and we will be with him forever. Okay, that is the, the core basic gospel message in the first Thessalonian context here. Uh, in chapter 4, Paul says, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Okay, and, and we know from others of Paul's writings that the, re- that, that the reason Christ died, he, he died to bear the wrath of God that we deserve against uh, because of our sin, and he raised up from the dead to show that that sacrifice was acceptable, it was, ex- it was, it was successful, and then ultimately to defeat death itself, so, so, uh, so that as we're united to him, death is defeated for us as well, and we have the guarantee of that same victory over death. Uh, in chapter 1 here, down at verse 10, 
You see that Paul mentions again the fact of Jesus rising from the dead. And also he says that Jesus is coming back. And again in chapter 4, he says that we will always be with the Lord. So, So the basic gospel message here in 1 Thessalonians, it's simply this. It's that Jesus died and he rose again so that we can have forgiveness, so that we can have favor with God. He went to heaven. He's coming back again so that we will be with him forever. That's the basic core gospel message uh, in the Thessalonian context here. And that's the gospel that saving faith believes. Saving faith believes that. That's the gospel that Paul gave to the Thessalonians, that came to the Thessalonians, and that they received with joy, despite the persecution. Okay, so the, the, the work of faith here then, what, what's the work of faith that Paul has in mind? Well, he's talking about uh, the life of good works that that saving faith necessarily produces, okay? Now, of course, we're not saved because of our good works, but our salvation will necessarily produce these good works, this work of faith. You could think of uh, Titus chapter 3, verses uh, 5 to 9, Titus 3. Paul says there that God saves us not because of our works done in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by, by the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he pours out richly on us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's how God saves us. And then he goes on, and he actually says, Uh, Later in that passage in Titus 3, he says, I want you to insist on these things. Insist that we are saved not because of our works done in righteousness, but because of God's mercy. Insist on that, Paul says, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. And so again, I think this work of faith that Paul has in mind there, it's it's the devotion to good works, that saving faith, produces. And the Thessalonians were doing this. And Paul remembers that he's going to the Lord in prayer and he's thinking about the Thessalonians and he remembers. The Thessalonians, they're doing this. They're, 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 they're doing this work of faith. And Paul, uh, Paul gives thanks for it. And I think Paul has uh, probably a few things um, immediately in mind when he's thinking about this, when he's remembering it. First of all, um, Maybe from uh, 2 Corinthians 8, we actually learn there that, that the Thessalonians would have been part of several churches who were um, giving financially to support the struggling church in Jerusalem. They were struggling because they had a famine there. And, uh, and man, they gave, according to Paul, they gave really generously, they gave really sacrificially, they gave really joyfully to help these, this struggling church in Jerusalem. So Paul might have had that in mind. In other words, this work of faith being the Thessalonians' financial giving uh, to to help the Jerusalem church. Um, Secondly, Paul probably does have in mind, I think, um, he's thinking about the Thessalonians' evangelistic efforts. In verse 8 here, we see that the gospel sounded forth, Paul says. It sounded forth from from them in, uh, in Macedonia and Achaia. Uh, Macedonia and Achaia, these were provinces in the Roman Empire. Thessalonica was in Macedonia. Achaia was uh, just to the south there. 
And, uh, and these regions, uh, or, and the Thessalonians heard the gospel, and then it echoed out from them. It reverberated out from there. That's really the sense of that word of, of uh, sounding forth, this reverberation going out. Uh, and then Paul says there that their faith in God has gone forth everywhere. So, so all throughout the region, uh, people were hearing the gospel, and they were, they were hearing uh, about the impact that the gospel had on the Thessalonians. This was, this was big news, how the Thessalonians' lives were being transformed. So as they, as they went about their daily lives, uh, they spoke up about the gospel. They did other good works. Uh, that would have been consistent with the gospel. They, they did other good works that, that would adorn the gospel. You can think of a, a Christmas tree and how lights and ornaments adorn the tree. They make it look beautiful. The Thessalonians were probably giving themselves to good works that were adorning the gospel. And people are hearing about this. I think that was probably another one of the works of faith or part of the work of faith that Paul had in mind. The, the, in other words, the, the evangelistic efforts of the Thessalonians. Um, third, maybe another work of faith here um, Paul probably has in mind is the Thessalonians' purity and holiness. In chapter 4, um, Paul says there, he says that God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. And then he says, just as you are doing. Okay, so, so uh, they were doing this. Uh, clearly, they still had room uh, to grow. Uh, Paul does exhort them to, to uh, do so more and more. In fact, you have a lot of these things throughout Thessalonians uh, where Paul says, you're doing these things. I see them. Keep doing them more and more. Do so more and more. So they were living in some measure of purity and holiness that encouraged Paul. And it was a reason for which he gave thanks. Uh, they, weren't, they weren't caving to the cultural pressures of, of sexual immorality and other uh, impurity that was all over the place among that Gentile culture there. And I think that's, again, probably at least part, another part of the work of faith that Paul has in mind. And Paul remembers these things, and, and, he, he, and, and he thinks about it, and he's, he's encouraged by it, I think. And he thanks God for it, and he thanks God for the Thessalonians themselves. I think he's thinking... God is, is with them. God is working in them. He's working through them. And he gives thanks for that. Now, thinking about love, faith, love. Um, what does Paul have in mind here with love? Well, uh, and the labor of love. Well, uh, uh, love here, just like what Paul has in mind with faith, um, and that being saving faith, Paul has in mind here, I think, what I would call saving love. Saving love. We hear a lot of lo- talk about love these days, right? Love equals love. That's what we hear. Um, and everybody wants to love everybody. Uh, okay, but there is such a thing as saving love. And it's not the same thing as maybe other love. Saving love. And then, and, and, and so just like uh, faith, saving faith is, is believing the gospel. Well, so love here. Love is, love is is a, it's a love for the truth of the gospel, and it's a love for Jesus himself. Um, I say that because over in 2 Thessalonians, uh, so same author and same body of believer, believers, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul says that people are perishing because they refuse to love the truth. They refused to love 
the truth and so be saved, he says. And so I think that, that, that with love here, Paul has in mind love of the truth. In other words, love of the truth of the gospel. Love of the, the truth about Jesus. The gospel that cannot truly be separated from Jesus himself. In, in fact, in, in chapter 3 of, of this book, Paul calls the gospel the gospel of Christ. Okay, so, so it's loving the truth of the gospel. It's loving Jesus himself. This love here, this saving love, it's loving Jesus. And it's loving Jesus specifically for what's true about what he did. Namely, Jesus died and he rose again and he'll come back again and he's going to secure for us what I call the three F's. He's going to secure for us forgiveness. He's going to secure for us God's favor or friendship we saw in one of the songs uh, that we sang. His forgiveness, favor, and life forever with him and his people. And it's, it's the love of that gospel truth and the love of that real personal Savior which makes this a saving love. Love for that truth and love for that Savior. And as such, again, it's not just to love the truth about salvation, but it's to love the Savior himself. And you can get a little taste of that down in verse 10. The Thessalonians were... You see, waiting for Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come, it says. And so notice that. They, they were not just waiting for deliverance. Surely they were. They were not just waiting for deliverance, but they were waiting for the deliverer. They were waiting for Jesus. And so this, this saving love, the, this gospel-centered Christianity, really, we could say it is a personal thing. And, and uh, by that I don't mean private. In fact, it's the exact opposite of that. The very nature of the gospel it is it's very public. It's to be spread and to be displayed and to be, to be seen and savored. So, but I mean, it, it's a personal thing. In other words, we're not saved by our doctrine. We are saved by a person. We are saved by our Savior, Jesus. Ultimately, we're not We're not saved by what we believe, we could say, but we are saved by whom we believe. Gospel-loving Christianity. This is a a personal thing. And the Thessalonians had this kind of love. They had it. And then that produced labor. That love produced labor. The labor of love, Paul says. And again, so uh, like the work of faith is work that's produced by saving faith, so I think the labor of love is, is labor that is produced by um, affection and acts of love. These things are produced by saving love. And I think what Paul has in mind here as he's thinking about the Thessalonians, he's probably thinking about various conduct that would be very similar, actually, to their works of faith. Um, But I think the labor here probably is most specifically referring to to those good works toward other Christians, toward their fellow Christians. it's, It's loving acts and affection for people in general, absolutely, but especially for the people of God. For one another in the Thessalonian church, for the Christians in the surrounding churches, and, and even Christians even in far-off places like Jerusalem. 
And, and I say that in part because um, Paul talks like this in other places. Um, faith, hope, and love, and the work and the labor and so on. And over in the book of Colossians, when Paul greets the church there, he says this. He says, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Sounds familiar. He's saying this roughly the same thing to the Thessalonians. And he says, we're doing this since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. So you see that triad. You can hear that triad. Faith, love, uh, hope. And, uh, and, and so when he's talking to the Colossians, what he has in mind is, the, it, with regard to love, he's saying the love that the church has for all the saints. Okay? And uh, so I think the labor of love that Paul is thinking about with the Thessalonians is probably very similar. Um, their saving love is producing and it's overflowing into love for others generally, but especially into love for uh, fellow, fellow believers, fellow saints, fellow Christians. Uh, in chapter 4, verse 10, Paul says that the Thessalonians were taught to love one another. And then he says... That indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. So the Thessalonians were doing this in, in various ways. Um, they were loving one another. They were loving other Christians as well uh, beyond just themselves. So love and labor and work and faith. Hope now. On to hope here and the steadfastness of hope. What does Paul have in mind with that? Well, I think the hope here, just like the faith and the love, this is what I would call a saving hope. You have saving faith, you have saving love. This is saving hope. In other words, it's, it's not um, sort of a, a weak and, and fickle uh, wish. It's not sort of wishing that something might, be, uh, might happen in the future. It's not... It's not sort of a general wish about what might be true or not be true. No, the hope here, this hope is a rock-solid trust in the promise of the gospel. And it's especially a, 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 a rock-solid trust in the promise that Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to take us to be with him. And when he comes back, he will deliver us from God's wrath and we will be with him forever. It's saving hope in that way, in that that's where its trust is. You could think of it like this. If, if, if the gospel is the good news about those three F's that I mentioned, right, forgiveness, favor, forever, well, the hope that Paul has in mind here, it, it is especially zeroed in on the forever piece. Okay? It's especially zeroed in on that. It is trust. It is excitement. It is joy of this promise of eternal life to, uh, with Jesus and, and with his people. And, and so then the steadfastness of that hope here, again, just like with the work of faith and the labor of love, Paul has in mind here something that this hope produces. And it, and it produces steadfastness. It produces Endurance, in other words. It produces uh, perseverance. It, it, these things are produced by that hope. So having this hope manifests in, in persevering or enduring, especially enduring 
in the faith and love. Okay? In, enduring in that faith and love. It's being steadfast in these things, especially under persecution, especially under various uh, difficulties and hardships. When it's not so easy to have faith and have love and work out of that faith and labor out of that love, when that's not so easy, this hope anchors us. It anchored the, the Thessalonians. And uh, you see that even from the start. Um, uh, verse 6, Paul says that they received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. So despite persecution, despite other hardships, um, the church held fast. The church held fast. And they did it with joy. They did it with joy. They, and, they, and they could do that because their hope was not set on that sort of that immediate circumstance, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, their hope was set in that forever circumstance. Their hope was set on the promise of forever. They set their hope on that ultimate return uh, of Jesus. They knew that they knew that they knew with confident trust that despite any here and now difficulty, one day Jesus was coming back and then everything would finally be well. So they held fast, fast uh, to, the, to faith in the gospel. They held fast to love for the gospel. And because of this saving hope then, they were sustained to keep on working from faith and to keep on loving or, or laboring uh, from love. They kept loving and they kept working in various ways for which Paul was, was very grateful. And they could do that because of this hope in forever with Jesus. You think of this hope is like, a, like the locomotive in a, in a, in a string of, of, of uh, rail cars. This hope is, is pulling. It's the engine that's pulling their work and their faith and their, their labors of love, their work of faith, their labors of love. This hope is pulling them down, uh, down the track. It's really pretty awesome. And the Thessalonians reminded one another of that. They, they, they gospeled one another, as we say around here. I think that was another labor of their love. They gospeled one another. They reminded one another of that hope. Uh, in chapter 4, Paul points to the promise of Jesus coming back. Um, he mentions Jesus coming back also in chapter 1. Uh, and he says, Then we'll always be with the Lord. And then in chapter 5, he says, we're not destined for wrath, but we're destined to live with Jesus. And then in 4.18, he says, encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another with that promise. And then in chapter 5, he says, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So the Thessalonians were doing this. They were gospeling one another. And so Paul says, in essence, that's how you encourage one another to persevere. That's how you encourage one another to endure and to, and to be uh, steadfast. You, you remind one another of the gospel. You remind one another especially of the specific gospel promise that Jesus will return so that we will always be with the Lord. That's how you stoke that fire in the locomotive uh, we could say. And, and, and the, the, the Thessalonians 
were doing this. And Paul noticed it, and he remembered it, and he thanked God for it. So, the work of faith, the labor of love, the steadfastness of hope. Um, again, not a, not, in no way intended to be a full exposition of that chapter, but, but there you have it with those things. Now, in light of those things, again, in large part, the reason why I wanted to uh, 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 go here in 1 Thessalonians is I, I want to jump off of there, and I really, again, as I had mentioned, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Christ Redeemer Church. Thank you. Um, I thank God because I see these things in you. I see these things in us. And again, I can speak for Pastor Brett. I can speak for Pastor Levi. I can speak for the other elders. We see these things in Christ Redeemer Church, and we praise God for it. We thank God for it. We give thanks to God for you. We give thanks to God for you, Christ Redeemer Church. Um, in various ways, Jesus is building his church. And, and he's doing that in us. He's doing it through us. He's doing it through our work as a, as a local church. He's doing it in some way, shape, or form, in various ways and shapes and form. He's building his church through our work of faith, through our labor of love, through our steadfastness of hope in Jesus. And he's doing a lot. So, so here's some of what I see. Here's some of what I see in various ways between us, you and me, us, Christ Redeemer Church. I see. I see us working through our life groups. I see us so doing these things through our life groups. I also see us doing these things through other avenues as well. What do I see? I see that we are exploring ways to uh, help the refugee population in the area. We are helping homeless men in St. Paul. We are helping Muslim Somalis to learn English, and we're seeking ultimately to share the gospel with them. We are befriending elderly communities, and we're sharing our lives with them, and we're giving them the gospel. This is great. We're helping homeless families. We're feeding them, and we're sharing the gospel with them. We're discipling our kids in these sorts of works and these sorts of labors, and they're doing this good stuff right alongside of us, and they're talking about Jesus with their neighbors, and they're, they're praying for people's salvation. They're seeing moms and dads working towards these ends. This is good. We're discipling our kids in these things. We're, we're packing meals for the homeless. We are packing meals for starving children overseas. We are spending thousands and thousands of dollars to care for orphans in China and to support church planters in India and other countries, to support church planting here in the United States as well, to, to spread the gospel on college campuses, to, 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 to spread the gospel to children and unreached people groups in Indonesia and in China and in India and elsewhere. We're spending thousands of dollars on that. We're putting in hours and hours on Sundays in, in, and in our homes teaching our kids about Jesus and, and about um, how all the Bible points to him and about what that means for a lifestyle that is truly living for Jesus. We're putting hours and hours into caring for small children in the nursery. And even at their young ages, they're hearing the gospel and they're seeing the gospel demonstrated, even in their, at their young age. 
We're reading and we're discussing the Bible with coworkers over lunch. We're reading and we're discussing the Bible with neighbors and with friends. We're reading and discussing the Bible and praying with women in jail. We're praying. We're, 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 we're praying for each other. We're, we're praying for our friends. We're praying for our families. We're praying for our coworkers and our community. And we're not just praying that they'd be healthy. We're praying that they would get saved. We want this for them. That's a work of the Lord in us that we would even want that. We want them to be saved. We want them to know Jesus. We want them to have forgiveness and favor and forever with Jesus. We're, we're counseling one another through difficult marriages. We're counseling one another through other difficult circumstances. We're encouraging one another. We're encouraging one another with the gospel. We're spurring one another on to love and uh, greater love and good works. We're, we're gospeling one another. We're walking in the light with one another. We're confessing our sins to one another. We're, we're confessing our sexual immorality. We're confessing our impurity and our self-righteousness and our, and our self-dependence, our self-centeredness, our selfishness, our greed, our guilt, our shame, our pride, more. We're confessing these things to one another. We're standing fast against the cultural pressures to endorse various expressions of sexual immorality and identity confusion. We're holding fast there. We're, we're forgiving one another. We're reminding one another of the forgiveness that we have in Jesus and the hope that we have, the favor that we have in Jesus and the gospel. We're not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, uh, but we are worshiping our God together. We're worshiping God together in song and in, and in prayer and in preaching. We're, we're teaching one another in our Sunday classes, in our life group, family meals, in our life group, DNAs. We're, we're challenging one another to obey the gospel or, or to obey the, the commands of Jesus. We're serving one another in, in setting up this gym and setting up this stage and making the sound work. We're serving one another in singing with and to one another. And, and as we hear the musicians uh, play, we're bearing one another's burdens. We're, we're, we're bearing one another's burdens through pregnancies and through hospitalizations of various kinds and through childcare needs and through troubled marriages and through miscarriages and through infertility, through deaths in the family and more. We are bearing one another's burdens. We're doing BIG. We're building relationships with non-believers. We're inviting them into the community of faith and we're sharing the gospel with them. And we're seeking to do that more and more. We're hosting neighborhood parties and we're sharing the gospel. We're blessing our neighbors with gifts and good works. We're saying yes to our neighbors and, and to our co-workers when they extend an invite to us when it's so easy to say no. Uh, we believe. We believe. We believe the gospel. We believe that, that Jesus died and rose from the dead for our sins so that we can have forgiveness, so that we can have God's favor and friendship, so that we can have forever with Jesus and, his, Jesus and his people. We actually believe that. It's crazy that we believe that. But we do. We, we have faith in that. We love that truth. We love that Savior. That's our greatest hope. And I could go on. <laughs> but I'm, gonna, I'm not going to. Uh, I mean, really, I could go on more and more. These are the kinds of things that God is working in us and through us. Christ Redeemer Church this local expression of his body. These are all various expressions of the work of faith and the labor of love and the steadfastness of hope 
in Jesus. Paul saw it in the Thessalonians, and he thanked God for it. He thanked God for the Thessalonians. Again, I see these things in us. Your pastors, we see these things in us. We see these things in you, and we thank God for you. We are encouraged by you. And we praise God, and we are grateful for you. We're grateful to you for all your labor, all your work, all your endurance. We're grateful to you. And of course, we're grateful ultimately to God for it because this is part of the amazing work of God. He does this. He's doing these things. And so we praise him for it. And I hope you would be encouraged by that. You are loved by God. You are chosen by God. Jesus is working and he's laboring and he is enduring with you and in you, and through you, in all of these ways, to build up his church. Jesus is doing it. And so, um, you know, just like Paul, uh, we just read chapter 1. I dipped into some of the other chapters. But at several points, again, Paul will say, you're doing these things. And he, and he just encourages the Thessalonians, do so more and more. And I hope that you, you would hear that this morning. Just, man, thank God for what he's doing. Keep on doing it more and more. Just keep pressing in. Enjoy what God is doing and, and be encouraged to just to press on. Keep on going. And I would say too, to help us do that, I would encourage us, man, um, think about these things. You know, I just read off a big list of what I came up with that I see. What do you see? What do you see God doing? And, and talk about those things with your life group, think about them with your spouses. Think about them with your kids. Take time to, to really consider what God is doing among us. Try to notice it. Try to be grateful for it. And give thanks for it. Give thanks ultimately to God. But man, on your way, look at one another and thank one another. Give thanks to one another for what God is, is doing here. You know, when Paul, um, when he writes this letter... Uh, to, to the Thessalonians here, he intends for the Thessalonians to sort of overhear that, hey, this is what I'm doing, church. I'm praying for you. I'm remembering you in my prayers. I'm thanking God for you. And he wants them to hear that. And I believe the reason he wants to say that is he wants to encourage the, the church. He wants them to know that they are appreciated. He is, in a roundabout way, thanking them directly. They are appreciated. They are, they, 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 he wants to encourage them. He wants them to feel like they are being thanked and then from that place spurred on to more and more of these things for which God, Paul is grateful. And uh, that is my heart this morning in this sermon. That's my heart here this morning as your pastor. So let's give thanks for one another. Let's give thanks to one another as well. Uh, there's a lot going on in us. And so say thanks. And, uh, and be encouraged. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the chance to hear from you, uh, from your word. And um, I would just pray that you help us here, that you would help us to see what you're doing uh, and be spurred on to do so, to be a part of what you're doing more and more. In Jesus' name, amen.